Hi, and welcome to Founder Sessions, the podcast that gives you a glimpse into the real lives of startup founders. This week, I'm speaking with Jenny from Netno. I've been really looking forward to this interview for a while because Jenny has an infectious enthusiasm you can't help but get on board with, and her business's focus on community takes all the traditional sleaziness out of the idea of networking. In this episode, we'll discuss some of Jenny's career path and the ongoing journey within Netno, as well as how Jenny balances her life as a PhD candidate and a mother with the running of her business. I know, she's got a lot on her plate and so many interesting stories to tell, so sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode of Founder Sessions. As always, thanks to Hamish from Flow Workspace and North Star Ventures for their ongoing support. Uh, hi, Jenny. Hi. So, founder and uh, chief networking strategist of Netno. Yep. And PhD candidate at Durham University. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. Bit busy. Yeah. But busy's wonderful. I like busy. So, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm grand. That's fantastic. So, how do you feel about all the things that you're doing at the moment? Um, do you know, I was just talking to someone about this this morning. I've just, funnily, been networking this morning. And, um, you know when you know when you're doing something and it feels like you're doing the right thing like you know you're like this is exactly what I'm going to be doing at this time like it feels like that yeah. um and I'm still I'm just at the beginning of my kind of PhD journey mm-hmm. so I'm like first year in and so I'm still learning to balance the two the business has been going a bit longer that's about 3 years yeah. um so it's a shift but it's one that feels like it's the right shift to be making that makes sense it's it's like it's mental don't get me wrong yeah. it is absolutely bonkers but i do i feel like i'm doing the right thing at the right time and i'm really really enjoying it really interesting that's awesome for the listener could you tell us what netno does yeah so business? my business is all about networking so i'm really really passionate about networking and i've seen firsthand how it impacts individuals and businesses and just sparking innovation through getting people together and having conversations. So I've been networking professionally on and off for about 17 years across the UK. And that's led me to where I am now with Netno, which is all about helping people network smarter. So um, through the business, I teach networking skills. So I do a lot of networking training, either in person, online, or through pre-recorded content. Um, I create networking strategies. So help people create a strategy around which networking events they should be attending. And I've built a networking SaaS platform that um, helps people source events um, and select them strategically as well. So again, helping people network smarter. Wow, that's really interesting. How did you get into the, I guess, the science and strategies of networking? Yeah, so that's something that, so I fell into networking when I was an undergrad at John Moores in Liverpool, and it was totally by accident. No one taught me about networking. It wasn't something I was studying business and finance at uni, and um, this like random email went round saying like, "Do you want some work experience in a creative sector?" And I was like, "Oh yes, I would like that." And um, applied, got the position, and it was just a voluntary role just to get something on my CV, to be honest. And um, the owner of the business. John took me to this networking event and he was like, don't tell me you're a student, you're the business development manager. And I was like, I was like, 
19 or something, and I had no idea what the business did. They did CGI and animation, which I still don't really understand. And then I was just literally thrown in this room full of like grown-ups in suits and expected just to know how to talk to them. And it honestly scared the big Jesus out of us. So I hid, I hid in the toilets most of the night. Um, it was awful. I was, a bit, I was really hungover as well, which didn't help. Um, so yeah, hid most of that night. Um, didn't speak to a soul. But he took me along to another event like the week after or something. And then I finally plucked up the courage to go and speak to someone at a networking event. And it genuinely changed my life. It was just, um, it was awesome. Like I just fell in love with it. The access to people it gives and um, just having these these conversations with people that were doing all these different amazing things and learning from them. Um, so it kind of spiraled from there. I did more voluntary work in my third year um, used a local business as my kind of like research topic for my dissertation. Mm -hmm. They gave me a job when I graduated, went out networking. And then I found that going out networking, I was like just matchmaking people. you like, you know, you go to an event and you're like, oh, you need to speak to this person and you need to speak to that person. Yeah. Um, and I also found that a lot of people really hate networking and mm. they were like, oh, I don't want to be here. I hate these things. Oh, I haven't got time. So a year after I graduated, I invented a job where I went networking full time. Mm -hmm. So I literally went to like five, six events every day, Monday to Friday. Wow. So like didn't pay for food or wine for like a year. It was wicked. <laughs> um, but I'd go networking on behalf of lots of different businesses instead of just as a part of my job role for one business. Mm. So that was my first attempt at setting up my own business, really. Yeah. Um, so I was a full time networker. So... Uh, each company that I took on as a client, I only had one from each industry, uh, did a corporate analysis of their business so I got to understand who they were, their product services, target market. And then I did all the lead work and just went out to all these events. And the more events you go to, the more events you get invited to. So yeah. I was getting access to networking opportunities that they wouldn't have had access to were it not for through myself yeah. and they just paid me a monthly retainer so they knew what their outgoings were and I would send back any introductions that would be a good match. Wow. So How did you come up with that role in the first place? Just literally from speaking to people. Yeah. I was like, I found that I had a natural ability for this matchmaking mm. of people and then it was like, right, I'm good at this. How can I monetize this? Yeah. How can I make money from it? And there was two options. The first option, and it was offered a lot, but I made a decision, and that was way back when, that was like 2008, not to do this, um, of taking commission for introductions made. Mm -hmm. So that was option one. The pro my problem with that was that I felt like it almost tainted the introductions in a way. Yeah. And it might become that rather than making an introduction between two people because it was the right one, it would be making an introduction because they paid the best commission. Yeah, And that kind of like... It makes it a bit more mercenary. Yeah, and how do you even... How to, how to monitor that would be really difficult as well. Because yeah. I might introduce you to someone and then six months later you start working together or like where does that commission even come from and how is it monitored and it was just really like murky. Yeah, yeah. So that was option one, which I didn't want to do. So the other option was, right, okay, I could just, instead of being like business development networker person for one business, mm -hmm. do it for lots of them. And then any event I went to, I was Jenny, 
but yeah. I was here on behalf of lots of people. Tell yeah. me about you, and then if anyone's you know the right fish, I can like make those introductions. That's really interesting as well because it's super efficient. Yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. It was just real. It real. It wasn't a scalable business because there was only probably like I could look after maybe ten clients. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. And then literally after a year, I just didn't want to speak to anyone because well, I was exhausted. Like, yeah. You're yeah. like your own MVP at that point, aren't you? Yeah. You're the person having to do all the connection making. And exactly. The yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and understanding yeah. the people as well that you're connecting on behalf of. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so do you think that's something that you discovered you were good at at university or were you always good yeah. at connecting people No, like it was definitely uni when I started like engaging in the world of networking events. Um, I'd always enjoyed meeting people. Like I'd traveled before then, so I didn't know what mm. I wanted to do at uni. So I took a year out, um, saved a lot of money, raised a lot of money. I say a lot, it, but back then it wasn't actually that much, but ended up living in Fiji with nuns. Wow. Random. With nuns? With nuns and deaf kids, yeah. So like I took a gap year and it was, did some voluntary work with this company and you go and work in a school. Mm. But it just so happened that the school that I got put in was a special school. So it was living with and working with the deaf kids from all the different villages in Fiji because there was only one deaf school and they got looked after by nuns. So I was living with the nuns wow. and then working in the school. And then I traveled on the way, but like after on the way back. And I mean, I was only 18 when I did that. Yeah. Um, and this was like, this was like internet cafe era. Yeah. So like you couldn't, there was no internet on your phone. Like Facebook <laughs> yeah. didn't exist. So this was like, proper disconnect from the world yeah, which was wonderful at the time so you end up in all these environments which is so different yeah and you just have to chat to people you just have to connect to people anyway yeah exactly i see mm. so at what point in your journey did netno become a, a possibility yeah something that you were thinking of so after the full-time networking in liverpool i moved back to carlisle where i'm from took what i'd learned attending events launched business number two which was hosting events okay. and ran that business for about five years then moved to the northeast and tried like to get a normal job which just didn't fit with me very well mm. so um yeah i'm not a, <laughs> not a nine to five kind of girl mm. um but there was a, there's a network over here in the northeast that had been going for years so i kind of stalked the owner of that and said give me a job i can like run it for you and he did so i was the md there for a few years and then took a step back from just took a step back from running networks and went into the world of tech so i delivered business support to tech startups and okay. smes in the region which was awesome i got to learn so much about that world because mm. I'm not a techie person yeah um, but I loved being that kind of link between the non-technical and the technical and learning to speak the language and yeah. you know between the two and during that time I'd um, one of my colleagues had asked about networking which events they should be going and in my brain I would created this kind of visual of what the world of networking events looked like and like a map almost yeah and I drew it for it and I was like, right, this is the world of networking and like drew these circle things. And I was like, your target market's here. So you need to go here kind of thing. <laughs> and then my, the CEO of the, the organization, who's got his PhD, he mm. said, that's a hypothesis. You need to get that research. And I was like, Google, what's a hypothesis? <laughs> um, and then ended up taking it to Durham uni mm. and their MBAs <clears throat> took it on as a project and um, did some research into it two rounds consecutive over two years mm. and that like created my networking ecosystem 
and it yeah. really helped define it. And that was the model that really spurred me on to start this business because yeah. I wanted to share that model with the world. Mm. So I I went on maternity leave with my daughter, my little one. I've only got one, and um, I was on maternity leave with her and made the decision, right, I need to start this business. Yeah. I want to go back to what I love, which is networking. But mm. I don't want to run networks anymore. I've done that. I want to help people, other people, like get the most out of networking, and yeah. whether that's the training or the creating the strategies. And I wanted to use that model that I created to help them do it. Mm -hmm. So while I was on maternity leave, took a leap, quit my job. Um, husband took over parental leave after six months, and then that was the week that lockdown hit. Yeah. <gasps> so Brutal. business plan went out the window because mm -hmm. the last thing anyone was thinking about was network. There was literally, there was no events. Yeah. No one was doing anything. Yeah. So they hadn't even converted to online only yet. Nah, literally the week, the week that, um, the week that the schools got shut, that yeah. was the week when it was like, oh, it's happening. Yeah. Like, and it, a big, I don't know if you remember, but at the beginning it was men and just be for two weeks. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? it people like, oh, didn't know. just two weeks, yeah. Mm. So if I knew then that it was going to be two years, I don't know if I would have had the courage to do it. Yeah. But I took those kind of two weeks as, uh, right, well, I'll just create a new business plan. I'll start working on some content for training sessions. You know, just use it as some downtime, I guess. Yeah. Or an opportunity, I guess, to flesh out yeah. what you were doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, which obviously the <laughs> the lockdown yeah. went on and on and on um but luckily my experience working with business support really helped so i pivoted the business mm -hmm. took what i knew of the business support ecosystem having delivered business support and created some packages so that i could go to business support providers and say i can support people you pay me and then the businesses get get it for free yeah. and I can help them network through the pandemic essentially, like mm. utilize their relationships and network online. No one knew how to do that. So created some training packages and that really like that pivot is what allowed me to, to set up the business essentially. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. When was the moment during COVID where I guess you had to turn around and be like, and realize that your initial plan was, was going to have to gone. change? I th well, that f the, literally, I remember sitting down on, in the loft in this fold-out sofa bed thing, sitting on the sofa. I didn't even have a desk. I had one of those IKEA, you know, on your knee kind of yeah. trays with my laptop on. Yeah. <laughs> I could hear the baby screaming downstairs. Poor Dave, <laughs> bless him. Um, and his like, and I was like, I was like, you know, and you just look at your screen and you're like, I don't know where to start. Yeah. And it was everything, like anything I had in the diary, obviously meetings, any training, mm. everything was cancelled. So I was like, right, I'm going to have to pull up my big girl pants and come mm. up with a new plan. And then I just started upskilling myself, learning how to deliver training online, mm. how to create an online setup, you know, with lighting and an external microphone. And yeah. um, I invested in a software called Camtasia, which allows me to film and edit yeah, software. So then I was like, right, I can create some courses. Then that's a product that I can sell. Because yeah. at that time, you know, service versus product. So I was like, right, I'll create a product I can sell, um, which I did. So I've got three courses that are online now. Um, but that first one was how to network online. Yeah. So I was like, people are going to need this. Mm. Um, so I think it was, I think delivering my first networking training session 
from the loft in my house as well. That was <laughs> yeah. probably a moment where it's like, yeah, this is this is happening. This is actually a thing. Yeah. Um, I think that in itself is impressive though, because oh, you're taking well, you're taking the idea that you had originally, and I think you're twisting it to be really relevant to the thing that's just happened in the world to everyone at the same time. Yeah. Which has got to have worked to some extent. How did that turn out initially? What was the initial reception? It was good. It was good. It was. Um, I'm of the. I'm very much of the mindset of like just give it, giving away like advice, information, tips, share it, knowledge, share it. Yeah. Um, it's going to help someone. They might not need you right then and then, but they'll potentially need you in the future. So I really focused on trying to add value to people yeah. through social media, you know, giving people advice and tips and stuff and using that as a way of showcasing my knowledge as mm. well as helping people. Yeah. And I think that was, it was just, well, it's just the right thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. Especially then. Yeah, exactly. And I think through that kind of, I guess, pure virtue of like trying to add value to people, you do create a bit of a community yeah. in and of itself, like a community of people that are trying to get better at a certain thing. Uh-huh. You know, it becomes a bit of a centre of excellence. Yeah, which absolutely. Which is something that everyone wants to create. It's just, you know, if you're trying to be mercenary about it, you never end up getting there, I think. Yeah, no. Yeah, if I think there's a, fa- there's a balance between it. And I think even if you give it away for free, people still will want to pay you for it. Yeah. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I see what you mean. So, having been on the NetNo website, which mm-hmm. I think is wonderful. Oh, thanks, I really Alex. love it. I'll tell the guys. Yeah. I did not build that. Um, I how, was involved yeah, in it. Yeah, how did but... you build it? It's, it's really, really good. So, a local Northeast-based company, Layer Studio. Shout out to Layer Studio. Yeah. Um, they can pay me later. Um, they built it, designed it. So when I first started the business, I literally created my own logo on Canva, and like it was just, it was very much MVP business, lean methodology. Just what have I got access to? What can I use? Mm. And then start from that, and then reinvested. So I think it was about nine months after I launched the business. Yeah. Um, I was like, right, I need a, it needs the business is growing up now. I need to reinvest in it. So got a proper brand done, and Layers did the full rebrand. Um, as well as building the website and within that the SaaS platform as well. Mm. So and then we had another rebrand a year later, rebranded again because mm-hmm. again the business changes. Like what I thought it was going to be at the beginning versus what it is now, so different. But the world's different. Yeah. So I've kind of just go along for the ride and very kind of try and see what's happening. What do people need? Mm. What do they want? And then adapt the business to them rather than trying to adapt people's mindset to the business if that makes sense yeah definitely finding a problem first yeah 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 absolutely that's awesome and so the um the SaaS platform moment Mm -hmm. in your business was there a point where you intentionally shifted towards that so for me running a business that is solely Jenny like Consultancy and training, that is me, is just very me-focused. Yeah. That's not a scalable or a sellable business. Yeah, because there's just one Jenny. It is, there's just one. <laughs> I know, and if I was sick or I couldn't be asked or whatever, then it kind of stops. So yeah. I've always been a big fan of like, you know, working smarter, not harder, mm. creating products, creating the product once that you can then sell over and over. And I love the SaaS model. I love how it works. Um, but I always wanted to create something again that adds value. Mm. So as it stands, it's on phase number two. 
So the first... Oh, the phases. Yeah, the yeah. phase. Yeah, the first phase that we built of the SaaS platform is very different to what it is now. Mm -hmm. I overcomplicated it the first time. Okay. And In what way? So I built something I thought people wanted, but there was too much education around it, and it was mm -hmm. too much like trying to... So the first time I built it, Listed all so the the platform lists all the networking events going on in the region, Northeast Tees Valley currently, but in the future it can ge expand geographically. So again, great scale up opportunity. Yeah. But as it stands, lists all the networking events in the region, and it's free to look at all the, the events. But the first time we launched it originally, people could subscribe to it, and then they would answer a series of questions, mm. and based on the questions that they, based on their answers. I would then create a strategy for them so the platform would, instead of listing all the events, it would recommend events for them. Okay, yeah. Using that, that ecosystem model. Yeah. So in the back end, all of the events are divided into like the eight zones. Mm. So based on their answers, I would then say, right, you should be networking in zone whatever, whatever, whatever. And it was good and it was useful, but people didn't realize that they needed it and because mm. they'd never had it before and it was too much trying to explain. Yeah. So after about eight months, I was like, right, this is just isn't working. It's not the right fit for people. We need to rein it in. What do they actually want? And the, instead of me trying to tell them what they needed, what do they actually tell me that they needed? So yeah. ask questions, listen for feedback, went on that kind of feedback loop and then went through the next phase of development where we literally now, it lists all the events, yes, but um, if you subscribe, you can filter those events based on location. You can mm -hmm. All the events are now tagged with topics, so you can search via topic, you can search via online, in person, you can filter based on the networks that you're part of or interested in. Mm. So you create your own little dashboard, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then the next step is to, because currently it lists all the events that are going on. Yeah. Like, and that, that's free to look through. Mm. But the next step is to cut that off. So the public listing is only going to be able to see two weeks in advance. Mm. So subscribers will be able to see months in advance. So that's another additional kind of benefit. But it's just been a learning curve. Yeah. I think listening to users, what <clears throat> do they like? What don't they like? What do they want? And I'm very much learning that functionality wise, you could just go on forever. And oh, be like, yeah. I want to add that onto it. I want to add that. And then you'd never get anything live. So yeah. I've kind of gone down the lean methodology, like build an MVP, take it to market. What do they like? What don't they like? Change it. And then it genuinely does help build, I believe, a better product at the end of the day. So mm. it's kind of been, it's an ongoing journey, which I love. It's really interesting. It is really interesting. And I love the whole, I guess SaaS products, are, they have their own whole business mythology around mm. them. Because mm -hmm. people always say about how you should focus on a niche within a niche. Yes. And find those people that absolutely love it. And then, you know, you can branch out from there, but you should always listen to those people that are like your core audience. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah, that's always really interesting when you find a problem that has a core audience like that. Yeah. Because you want to do everything they tell you, you to do. do. You yeah. just want to, don't you? Because you and love them. You want to listen to everyone, and but like everyone, you can't please everyone. So you've got to just go with the majority, I guess. And, mm. um, but yeah, finding that niche group of people and then expanding it out and there's loads of opportunities to do that. And so yeah, this this kind of side of the business is very different to the Jenny 
training consultancy side yeah do you still keep that going alongside yeah oh yeah that's oh my gosh still... where do you find the time for that <laughs> that's most of my work to be fair <laughs> most of the training i deliver now is within academia academia mm-hmm. so lots of um mbas and universities and uh, you know early stage researchers and schools a lot yeah. more schools want young kids interesting having networking training which i think is fantastic so something i'm doing this year is creating some video resources and worksheets specifically for secondary school kids 16 to 18 Mm. and just giving them away for free yeah that's really cool i think i saw your post it might have been this morning or something about you know do kids network oh yeah yeah a little video i did that the other week but it's kind of got another life of its own recently yeah um but yeah young people so two reasons one lockdown Mm. there's a lot of young people with social anxiety and really struggling to learn those social skills and it it, it, it's hard for them especially when they're either studying or they're about to go out into the world of work Mm. but then secondly because of the digital adoption they're communicating through screens the society that we now live in, they don't know how to have real-time conversations. Yeah. So again, it's really affecting, it's not only affecting like career progression opportunities and work experience and all these kind of things, it's affecting their like mental, emotional health. So I really believe networking can have a big part in, you know, if we can teach networking skills to young people, it's, that can open so many doors for raising aspirations, accessing knowledge, you know, getting them into the, the world of work and to work experience, but also learning how to have these conversations, build empathy. Mm. There's loads of research on it and it's, a, yeah, it's really fascinating. So that's why I wanted to create these resources for schools that are free so that any school can access them rather, you know, they don't have to have a budget there because some schools do, some schools don't have yeah. budgets for external stuff. So I think every kid should have access to, to these kind of, that kind of training. Um, so hopefully it has just a little bit of impact. Wow, I don't think I'd ever seen networking in that light before. Yeah. Where I guess it's a, a, the communication skill mm-hmm. in a pure way. It's also I think quite an interesting way of getting it into schools. Yeah. It's under the guise of saying, well, this could help professionally, which Absolutely. it obviously will do. It does, yeah. But just talking about communication for communication's sake yeah. doesn't often light people's fires. No, absolutely not. It's seen as like, you know, it's classed as a soft skill, it's seen as quite fluffy. Yeah. Whereas actually there is so much research and evidence that showcase the impact of effective networking on, like you say, career progression, as well as you know, essentially networking's all about access and knowledge. Yeah. And knowledge, experience, opportunities, which for young people, that it's just so invaluable. And when there's such a massive world of different job prospects out there, knowing what you want to do is practically impossible because the jobs they're going to be applying for in two, three years time might not exist yet. Mm. But if they can go out and engage with business leaders and industry so that they can use that as an opportunity to navigate not just what they want to do but also eliminate what they don't want to do Mm. then that can be that can be a game changer for people it saves them years of time yeah they've got the power to adapt to that point yeah exactly they might think they want to be a social media manager but then if they go out and actually spend a day shadowing a social media manager and see what that lifestyle actually looks like Mm. the impact the good things the bad things then maybe they'll go, do you know what, actually, that's not for me. And then they'll start looking elsewhere, as well as maybe going out and, you know, engaging with with people who 
not just work in different sectors, but have different working lifestyles. Mm. So now you've got the option of being employed, being employed by a large business or a small business, being a freelancer, setting up your own business, employing your own staff. Like literally you could travel while you work. But again, what you might think it would be versus the reality could be very different. So giving young people the access through just going to a networking event and talking to these people that are actually living those lives, that can help them make those decisions. Absolutely. What is the kind of top point that you focus on with young people in in networking skills? Being kind. Mm. Um, And that's across the ages, to be fair, but especially young people. I think one of the big impacts of social media and communication through technology is that they don't see the consequences of their words, of of what they do and their actions, because it's through social media, through you know, um, through their their screens, and because they don't see the consequences, they don't see when they make someone cry. They don't build that empathy, mm. so they don't really connect the dots between their actions and the influence that has on others. Which wow. again has a massive impact, and you know, obviously online bullying and things. But it can have it, and it can, and it will have a massive impact on their future opportunities because mm. the person that they're being unkind to today could be a potential employer in the future. It could be someone that potentially, you know, invests in their business or does or does not make an introduction that results in them getting a dream job. All these different things. So looking at it from the bigger picture and looking at networking as a form of encouraging kindness I think is just like oh I just love it it's amazing that is amazing actually I've got to say because it's just like you said there I think we don't often think about ostracizing people outright yeah but I think we do subliminally notice kind people yeah oh yeah someone that holds the door open for you or someone and that could be colleagues so this could be networking you know within the business within Mm. a you know you don't this isn't just for startup and entrepreneurs this is for anyone you will anytime you engage with another human you are leaving an impression on them of who you are whether that's the person you buy coffee from the you know the colleague that you sit next to or whatever and those little little bits of kindness and giving people just a little time a smile respect it it really really makes a difference especially in a world where most people now don't Yeah. Being that being that kind one makes you really stand out. And that can be the difference. Well, it is the difference for a lot of people on their opportunities in the future. Mm, I love that. Every time you engage with someone, you leave an impression on them of who you are. Yeah. That's fantastic. Totally true. So where do you see NetNo and possibly your PhD as well going yeah. in the next five to ten years? Oh, five to ten year plan. It's a, it's a big question. It is a big question, but I love I love a plan. Mm. So... I'm doing my PhD part time, um, so I've got I've got eight years to do it, mm-hmm. but I want to do it in four because <laughs> I'm mental. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, ideally, four years from now, I'll finish my PhD. Mm. I've I've really nailed down and honed the SaaS platform and built that up and being able to expand that across new geographic areas, and with that is the opportunity to potentially sell that side of the business. Yeah. Um, so the dream for me would be to build and then sell the SaaS platform whilst then getting my PhD so that I can just go and travel the world doing TED Talks and stuff and write books and, yeah, that's that's the dream. And then one day I'd love to set up some kind of charity mm. that really helps people reconnect. 
yeah. like within communities or you know using networking skills as a way of helping people overcome mental health issues and um loneliness mm. you know because i think you know i call it the zomb like the social apocalypse like we're all like zombies walking around on our phones and yeah. um i think that's only gonna get worse especially as things like the metaverse come around mm. where people can escape the real world and live through technology yeah that's that's gonna potentially create even more social problems so i don't know i am getting sucked into the world of academia though yeah i can see the you can feel it happening. i can feel the pull of you know <laughs> research i find it fascinating i think you'd be really good at it i think you oh. would be a great bridge as well between research and and the real world yeah i'd love to do that i'd yeah. love to continue that in some way whatever that looks like i've got an idea but yeah because yeah. you're a great speaker and communicator i must say like because i saw you pitch net no i think at the thinking digital yeah event. last year yeah and it was great honestly oh, it's you. one of those things where i think immediately you notice someone who can communicate their ideas really clearly like that oh. so it's yeah i think everything you're doing is very cool Thanks, but Alex. particularly i'm excited to see the world changed communication wise yeah. by by Netno and what you're learning in your PhD currently. Wow, no yeah. pressure then. No pressure. No pressure, I just changed the world. Just change the world, yeah. <laughs> Just go around and do some inspirational TED Talks and change the world. <laughs> I'll try. That'd be great. <laughs> Thanks, <Alex>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast My pleasure, well. thanks for having me. Awesome, I'll stop it there then. Thanks for listening to Founder Sessions. Come back next week for another fascinating conversation with a fantastic founder.